Shalom, Meshpocha. This is Sid Roth. Meshpocha is a Hebrew word. It means family. And we're the Mishpacha, the family with the Jewish heart. Welcome to today's edition of Messianic Vision and another appointment for you to be mentored to fulfill your destiny with a very supernatural guest. And now, here's your host for this program. It's supernatural television producer, Jackie Duval. Thank you, Sid. Today on Messianic Vision, our guest is Isaiah Saldivar. And Isaiah travels full-time and has an online ministry called Isaiah Saldivar Ministries. And he, he goes throughout the country sparking revival and also has a ministry online that is impacting millions and millions of people. And thank you for being with us today, Isaiah. Yes, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. We're excited, too. So I just want to start out and talk about um, the few times in your life, in the beginning of your life, where the, the enemy tried to cut you off. There were uh, several times, I know one time at 12 years old, and there were a few other times. So can you just tell us uh, a little bit about what happened and how the Lord saved your life? Yeah, so I had a couple really crazy encounters growing up. You know, one of the things I'm seeing, especially as God is raising up, these revivalists and these end times messenger as the enemy is trying to kill our generation before they grow into adulthood. And you look at when Jesus was a baby, Herod decreed all the male children in Bethlehem who were two years or under to be killed. And we know this was an attempt to kill Jesus as a child. If you look at Moses, when he was a baby, Pharaoh commanded all the Hebrew baby boys to be thrown in the Nile, um, Nile River. And so what you see is two of the greatest deliverance ministers or deliverers in scripture were Moses and then of course Jesus and where the enemy tried taking them out as a kid and so for me I know in my life I had several occasions where I had near-death experiences one of those times when I was 12 years old I was actually just got done watching this movie back then called American Outlaw and they were you know hanging the outlaws and so I was in a barn with a friend of mine riding my bike just around the barn and there was a large metal chain coming out from the middle of the barn the ones that would take out engines or transmissions or car motors. And I, for whatever reason, stuck that chain around my neck and was messing around. And I had my hands in the chain, so it was, the chain wasn't directly touching my neck. And I was just swinging on the chain, telling my friend, look, I'm Jesse James. Well, my friend had left the barn, and I'll never forget waking up to being up in the air. Now, I didn't know if I was in a dream. I didn't know if I was in a vision. I didn't know if I was dead. I didn't know what was happening. I just know I looked down. I felt the chain up against my neck i was hanging probably like four to six feet off the ground and all i can see is my feet and i was just didn't know what was going on i'll never forget in that moment feeling this all i could describe as this 12 years old the softest hands i've ever felt went in between the chain that at that point was already touching my neck my hands were to my side in between the chain and pulled on that metal chain i fell from the four to six feet high i was fell onto the ground on my knees crawled to the corner of the barn just couldn't breathe, couldn't see, everything went black, and my neck started bleeding. I could feel blood coming from my neck, and I turned around. I'll never forget this, and I looked back, and I saw that chain, and I saw that chain still tightened up all the way up there, six to four, four to six feet still, tightened up a thing against the um, ceiling, and I'll never forget these thoughts crossing my head. Something is trying to kill me, and I knew in that moment that there was something trying to destroy me, and then I knew there was something else trying to, that was saving me. I knew that I had an encounter with an angel of the Lord, that God had spared my life that day. And it went from not only that, just that time of accidentally hanging myself, um, ended up going to the doctors. The doctor said, yeah, you absolutely, that there was oxygen stopped going to your brain. I mean, I had blood marks, chain marks, 
people at the church were thinking, oh, he tried to kill himself, and my parents were telling, well, he didn't intentionally do it, but he accidentally hung himself, and literally an angel saved his life. And this went from that to overdosing, where the doctor said, you drank so much alcohol, you're five times past what your body should be able to handle, mm-hmm. you should be dead. To another time, me and my brother were in a trailer behind a tractor going 45 miles an hour down the road, and the guy driving the tractor turned the tractor, the trailer broke, went upside down, me and my brother were in it, and went a mile down the road, 45 miles an hour, didn't realize that the trailer had broken, we were back there literally going just against the concrete, the concrete street sliding down the country road, should have just been 100% dead, and even in that moment, I had an out-of-body experience, I knew that angels were in that trailer with me and my brother, we came out of that with literally a scratch on our arms, I had drowned as a child, I fell out of a car as a child, I almost fell out of a car on a freeway, Um, Time and time again, even to the point of a month before I got saved, this was December 2010, I was in a hotel room, and I had such a wild encounter with a demonic spirit where I wasn't saved at the time, but literally a demon had me on the 14th story of a balcony. I was intoxicated. I was at the 14th floor of a hotel party on a balcony, and there was a voice telling me, jump off the balcony, jump Mm -hmm. off the balcony. Now, I had never been suicidal. I'd never wanted to take my own life, but I knew there was something telling me so strong to jump off that balcony and then another voice was telling me to go lay down and go to sleep so there was this battle going my entire life trying this battle between good and evil god speaking to me god chasing me god calling me my parents praying for me my parents pleading the blood over and i know now you know now being saved 10 years traveling preaching seeing moves of god i know now that it was only by the blood of jesus i'm still here it was only by my parents pleading the blood of Jesus over the doorpost of my life, should have been dead so many times. I could tell you story after story where the devil tried to steal, kill, and destroy, but God continued to triumph. And that's one thing I want to even challenge the listeners. We have to stand in the gap for our kids. The enemy is after the children. He's after the deliverers. He knows that God is raising up an end-time army, that our children are going to be last-day warriors. And so there's an assault happening right now for our kids. I have a 6-year-old, a 4-year-old, a 2-year-old, and a newborn. And I look at their Netflix and the things that I see on their iPads, mm. and every show that the enemy's putting out to our kids is demonic, is mm. magic, is witchcraft. And what I'm seeing, Jackie, is there is an assault on the young generation. If you look at Nehemiah 4.14, it says, Do not be afraid of the enemy. Remember the Lord, who is great and glorious, and fight for your brothers, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. And so God is calling his church to fight for our children. Oftentimes mm. the prophets in Scripture would say, What will happen to our kids if we don't fight, if we don't contend? And this is what I want to challenge some of the listeners here today, too. If we don't contend for revival, if we don't contend for the supernatural, if we don't contend for breakthrough in our marriages and breakthrough and deliverance and miracles and healing, then what's going to happen to our children? And so I know for my life, the enemy tried taking me out. He knew that God had a plan for me. He knew that God had this calling. I don't think the enemy knew exactly what it was, but I know that there was an attempt over and over, assassination attempt from the kingdom of darkness, not a natural, a supernatural attack on my life. You know, but I thank God that I had praying family, praying parents, that even when I became an atheist and I turned away from God, God was gracious to continue to spare me. And God spoke to me years ago, said, Isaiah, you're living on borrowed time. 
You should have been dead over and over and over again all these times where you drowned, you fell out of a car, you hung yourself, you overdosed, you almost took your life in that hotel. Over and over, God says, Isaiah, I spared you, so your life is not yours. And I know there's listeners watching right now that say, I I hear you, Isaiah, this happened to me. I almost died so many times. I'm on borrowed time as well. And so I've committed my life to say, Lord, I should be dead. Literally, there's no normal explanation besides the supernatural power of God of why I should still be here, but it was the Lord's hand over and over again, Jackie, sparing me and saving me. I believe it was for such time as this. Mm -hmm. I believe it was what Mordecai told Esther. He said, Esther, perhaps you were born for such a time as this, to deliver God's people, to deliver them from the hand of the enemy. And so I really believe that all these led up to this moment right now where God has been using me to just bring deliverance, to bring breakthrough, and to be training his church for just revival and this end-time harvest that we're seeing. Wow, that that's so powerful, such a good word. And at age 19, your sister, um, she had been bugging you for months to go to church with her, and you ended up going with her um, with the thought that that would be the last time you'd ever step foot in a church. And uh, so tell us yeah. about that experience at the altar. Yeah, so at 19 years old, at that point, I was a self-proclaimed atheist. I stopped going to church at 16, had been raised in the church. And really, in my mind, I just thought I never saw the power of God. I never saw the demonstration of the supernatural. I was grew up in just a religious uh, church where no power of God was moving. And so I just decided that I was become, you know, an atheist. God doesn't exist. God's not real. If I've never heard him, encountered him, I've learned about him, but I've never experienced him. And that's what many people in our generation have. They've had this learned knowledge. They've been in church, but they've never experienced the supernatural power of God. So at 19, I graduated high school at 16. I was graduating college. I was about to turn 20, but I was graduating college at 19 years old. And my whole life planned out was with a girl for four years, was planning to marry her. I mean, I had just everything figured out. I was about to turn 20. I was getting a job um, hired in law enforcement. It was my dream my entire life, which is become a police officer. And at 19 years old, my sister said, Isaiah, I'm going to bring you to this church, and I'm telling you, you will experience God at this church. And I said, no, no, no. For six months, she begged me, please just come one time. Please just come one time. Please just come one time. And so I went with her that one time, walked in as an atheist, sat in the very back, the area you're not supposed to sit, and I was making fun the entire time. And I'll never forget this, Jackie, walking through the door of that church. I said this. I said, this will be the last time I ever step foot in a church because I was so convinced God wasn't real. I was so disinterested in the things of God. And I can't overemphasize to the listeners enough on how much I didn't believe, how much I didn't want to be there. But as I sat in the back and the preacher began to preach, and he got done preaching, I felt something literally during that altar call. He said, if you want God, if you want to encounter God, come up here. And in my mind, I still at that point didn't really want God, didn't really want to serve God, but I felt something begin to pull on my shirt. When I say pull on my shirt, I'm not talking about, oh, I just felt, I'm talking, I only way I can describe it was something was pulling me to go to that altar. Now, I didn't know what I know now, that nobody comes to the Father unless the Spirit first draws them, but I didn't know that that day that my, my salvation, my born-again experience was on the calendar of heaven, and God was drawing me to that altar for His divine purpose. And so I ran to that altar, jumped over my girlfriend that I was with, jumped over the friends, and I don't even know why I did this. I just felt this drawing. I ran up to the altar. I said, Lord, I'm not praying the sinner's prayer. I said, I've prayed this a thousand times all growing up. I'm not doing it. I was bitter. I was angry. I was depressed at that time. I hadn't cried in 10 years. I was hard-hearted, and I literally went to that altar, and I said these words, and I know every religious person is going to cringe when I say this, but I was at that altar. I was an atheist, 19 years old, my whole life planned out ahead of me. I said, God, I don't effing believe in you, and I said the F word at the altar. I said, but God, if you are real, and I said this with everything on the inside of me, I said, if you're real, I'll give you everything. 
I'll break up with my girlfriend. I'll move out of state. I mean, I was just getting bold, Jack, because mm-hmm. I thought, well, God isn't real, so I might as well just say anything I can say. <laughs> I said, I'll do anything you ask me to do if you show me you're real. And in that moment, Jackie, it wasn't an inward. It wasn't a whisper. It wasn't the small voice of the Holy Spirit. It was the audible voice of God from the heavens speaking. I'm an atheist now. I'm not full of the Holy Spirit, none of this. The audible voice of God says, Isaiah... Now, first of all, that rocked my life, knowing that the, <laughs> that God of the universe, 7 billion people, knows my name. Yeah. But he said, Isaiah, I don't want 99.9% of you. This was the first thing that I ever heard God say. Was, I don't want 99.9% of you. I want all of you. I have a calling for you. I have a purpose for you. And the Lord began to show me. And I don't know if I was in a vision. I don't know if I was in heaven. At that point, it was just a bright light. That's all I can tell you. It was an extremely bright light. And as I saw this bright light, I began to get visions of me preaching in stadiums, preaching all over the world, preaching to the nations, seeing miracles break out, seeing revival. And it was all happening within the span of what I felt to be five seconds. I mean, it was just this supernatural encounter. And God says, Isaiah, I have a plan of purpose. I want everything. I'm going to use you. So God began to unveil and reveal the plan he had for my life. Well, I didn't know that I don't know if it was probably 20 to 40 minutes had gone by for to me felt like a second and I just kind of wake up from this from this trance like state I was in and literally Jackie dirt is coming out of my eyes now mm-hmm. I know this is going to strike unbelief in some of the listeners here but I'm not talking supernatural dirt I remember vividly literal dirt in my palms in my fingers coming out of my eyes now I didn't know that there's a story in the Bible of a man that had his dirty scales removed so I just thought dirt's coming out of my eyes now I'm crying for the first time in 10 years. I'm crying now at this point. Not only is dirt coming out of my eyes, Jackie, I'm crying, but I start praying in a language that I've only heard one time before as a child. I heard my parents praying in tongues. I'd never heard tongues other than one time as a child, my parents praying. And I begin to pray in tongues like I'm talking a rushing river coming out of mm-hmm. me. And I couldn't stop it. I didn't know necessarily what it was. I could remember back as a kid one time hearing my parents, but the church again I went to, they didn't pray in tongues. They didn't speak in tongues. And I had tongues coming out of me, flown out of me. Now, I remember my girlfriend at that time was now next to me at the altar. I tried covering my mouth because I didn't want her to hear me speaking in tongues because I didn't know what was going on. But I could not stop what God was doing. I was speaking in tongues. I was crying. Dirt was coming out of my eyes. At that same moment, the pastor on stage, and there's about, you got to remember, there's about 800 youth at this time. I'm at, a, I'm at a big, big church. And the pastor says, there's somebody right now that God is removing the dirty scales out of your eyes. God is wiping away your dirty scales. And, of course, that was me, and I'm crying and crying and crying. And, you know, God said, I said, okay, God, what do you want me to do? I don't know what to do. I, don't, I, have, I have nothing to offer you. I have nothing to offer you. And God says, Isaiah, I want your hands. I want your feet. All you need to do, and this is what the Lord told me, was to pray one hour a day. And my response was, I don't know how to pray an hour a day. I don't know how to even pray. And the Lord says, I'm going to teach you to pray. The next minute, the pastor's on stage. says, right now God's calling us to dedicate one hour a day to prayer. So there I was, an atheist turned revivalist, had this radical encounter with God, didn't recognize anybody. I'll never forget when they turned the lights on. I felt like it was two minutes. It was really probably 40. But I remember when they turned the lights on in the church, big, massive church, I didn't recognize anything. I didn't recognize anybody. Jackie, it was truly a born-again experience. Truly didn't recognize the colors. I was like, I need to get home because I don't know what's going on with me. I went home, and that led me into three days of not sleeping, two weeks of not eating, having just a divine encounter with God where God began to speak to me. Revival began to break out in my home. 
God speaking to me that we're in the last days, that you are an end-time generation, that God's going to use me to raise people up to preach. Now, at that time, of course, I had not known everything I know today. I had not traveled all over the country, preached in different parts of the world, and done what I'm doing now, but really had a radical—I always like to say this, to get just to get the listeners to wrap their head around what I'm, the encounter I'm talking about. December 31st, New Year's of 2010, I was at a beer pong tournament. This January 15th of 2011, I was casting demons out of people in my living room and seeing miracles. So it was a radical, radical death to life, blind to see, just experience that I had with God that has, has shaped me and molded me. And now people say, you're going to burn out. You're, you know, in that, mm-hmm. those days, people said, you're, you're too radical, you're too passionate. I can honestly say I am more passionate right now. I am more radical. I'm more on fire. I'm more desperate in love with Jesus Christ than I've ever been, and that fire that started 10 years ago in January um, 12th of 2011 is burning hotter. So I just want to even encourage some of the listeners that say, oh, these encounters are only for a week or six months or a year. No, I believe that this fire God lit in me is going to burn until I'm my last breath, until I stand before God on Judgment Day. And it was just real radical, and that turned into really a revival that broke out in my family and friends. Wow, yeah, yeah, that's amazing. And I, like you were saying, it's, it broke out in your family and friends, and you had drug friends that would come to your, your house, and they got saved, and they got delivered, and they got radically changed just like you did. And you had family members being uh, healed of cancer, right? You had uh, different, different healings happen in your family. Tell us yeah. about a few of those. Yeah, so my uncle at the time was actually in the ministry for over 30 years. So he was doing a conference in New York, was a part of a very large church. We live in California, but he was out in New York. And when I had this encounter, my family's like calling him, you need to get home. Something happened to Isaiah. We don't recognize him. I mean, literally, he's prophesying over everybody. He's prophesying over the animals. He's seeing visions (laughs) and dreams. And really, God had opened up my spiritual eyes. And for 19 years, everything I thought I knew, I realized was wrong. And so that next day, I went to college. I pulled over on the side of the freeway. I'm crying. I get to college. I'm seeing angels and demons all over my college campus. I'm just seeing in the supernatural. I'm getting words of knowledge. Well, imagine you don't know about words of knowledge or you don't know about prophecy or you don't know about angels or demons. And now you're experiencing all these gifts of the Spirit, 1 Corinthians 12, but you don't know. You have no language. So I thought, am I psychic? Did the devil enter me? I mean, I know God changed me. I know that I don't want to drink anymore. Every other word used to be a cuss word. Now I'm not cussing. I'm not nothing. I mean, God had radically changed me, but I didn't have any language for the supernatural encounter. So my uncle came home who knows who's been in ministry. And I, I, for 14 hours straight, told him everything God had done with me, what God was doing in me. And he said at the end of the 14 hours, he's okay, Isaiah, what is God saying? I hear you. God is moving. You're seeing angels, demons, prophecy. We're living last days. You know, I'm just getting download. And I'm just, you know, just went, had this radical encounter and didn't really know how to put language to it. Didn't know scripture. I'm quoting scriptures I've never read before. I'm saying things from the Bible. I'm talking about revival and fivefold ministry and the apostles and the prophets. And he's going, where, who's telling you all this? And that's what he's asking me. I said, nobody, the Lord is telling me and revealing these things to me. And I don't know what any of this stuff is. I just know what God is showing me. He said, okay, what is God saying to do? And I said, God is saying, we need to start having prayer at our home and God is going to bring revival. So we begin to pray. I moved out all the televisions out of my house. I cleared my entire house out, every TV, every movie, every ungodly thing you can imagine. I literally got rid of out of my parents' house. I mean, my parents were like, what is going on? Because I knew that God wanted to dwell in my home. And so we begin to pray. I, at that time, was very influential. I was in a traveling band. We had done tours. I had a lot of friends. I, I was in the party scene. 
And so I was throwing big parties, and we were drinking, doing the whole thing in, uh, that you do in college. And so now I go from drinking, partying, doing all this, to now inviting all those same friends to come to my house because now we're having a prayer meeting. And so they begin to come. People begin to manifest. People begin to get healed. It went from literally the first night ever, 20 people, just my friends and a couple friends and family, to 40 people, to 60, to 100, to 200, 300. Within four months, we had four to 500 people coming to my living room. No mm-hmm. flyers, no websites, no promotion, no Facebook, no nothing. People just heard there's something happening on Castle Road. That was a road I lived on. There's a revival happening, and you can even see on online – People were outside. People were looking in through the windows, and it was just a radical revival. People were getting out of wheelchairs. We saw cancer getting healed. At one point, literally, a lady prayed for a daughter that had cancer. The cancer came out of her daughter. She put it in a Ziploc bag, took it to the doctors. They said, where did you find this? What is this? This is cervical cancer, and her daughter got radically healed. I had a, an aunt. Actually, what really sparked the revival, what really took make it take off, was I actually have an aunt, my mom's sister. I've you know known her my entire life, very close with my family and my aunt was born deaf in one ear. So my grandma actually had German measles while my aunt was in her womb, while she was pregnant with my aunt, my mom's sister. And so she was born with no eardrum. Her her ear didn't develop. She had no eardrum, could not hear out of one of her ears. Well, when the revival broke out and God started doing miracles, at that time she had already had more Cirillo, Benny Hinn, Mario Murillo, all these men of God throughout the years lay hands on her and pray for her through different crusades they had gone to, and she never had gotten healed. Well, two weeks after the revival broke out, we were at a conference, and the pr- preacher there said, "Are all heard about what was happening. He said, all these young people that are getting saved in this revival, I want you guys to go out and start laying hands on people. So immediately, obviously, we went straight up to my aunt. We started laying hands on her, and she said, Lord, please heal me so that their faith isn't ruined when I don't get healed because she truly didn't believe God was going to heal her. Mm-hmm. And we begin to pray over her. We begin to speak new eardrum, creative miracle. And she began to, for the first time in her life, and I'm, I'm telling you, I'm talking born with no eardrum, not like she couldn't hear for a year. I'm talking born deaf in one of her ears. She got her hearing back. And that really, really, Jackie, rocked my family, rocked mm-hmm. our community. And she is, she is a very high-up um, charge nurse in Kaiser, which is a big hospital out here in California. So all of her friends are doctors, nurses. She works in the medical field. And this was a verified miracle, creative miracle, where literally God gave her a brand new eardrum, gave her hearing. I had another cousin who had a tumor wrapped around his eardrum um, and couldn't hear, was deaf. He also got healed in the revival. And so God began to do these radical miracles. I had friends that were coming to the revival high and drunk. And they would literally step foot through the door and immediately sober up. And they're like, what is going on? Immediately I'm sobered up. And I went from having these friends that I was partying with, drinking with eight to 10 hours a day to now, imagine this a week later, we're in eight to 10 hour prayer meetings. Mm -hmm. And these were not just once a week prayer meetings, Jackie. These were every single day, Mm -hmm. night and day. When we, in our mind, we didn't know we weren't religious. Like we didn't know that you're only supposed to pray once a week or only go to church prayer meetings. We just thought, well, we used to drink all day, every day. Now let's pray all day, every day. So these were 24 hour at my home was open 24 hours a day. People were coming in, friends were coming in, and we were just praying and seeing a move of God and really broke out. And that ha- that went on for a year in the living room. Then we moved to a building. We're now on our third building. But, man, it was a powerful move of God. That's actually when Rick Joyner from Morningstar got wind of it. That's how I ended up meeting Bob Jones. I ended up preaching with Reinhard Bonnke just barely a little bit after a year of being saved. And really, God just accelerated. Now, I'll just say this, Jackie, to all of the listeners 
I never, even 10 years later, I've never promoted myself. I've never had a ministry promote me. I've never had a denomination promote me. This has been the sovereign hand of God, took an atheist, turned him into a revivalist, and saw a genuine, authentic miracles. My, my brother got saved. who was a big drug dealer. Sisters got saved. My cousins got saved. My aunts and uncles got saved. My parents got lit on fire. I mean, literally, to this day, my family's in full-time ministry with me. To this day, my brother works for me. Um, it's just been a sovereign move of God, and it's not just been a one-year thing or a six-month thing. I got to emphasize this. All those, many of those people that I parted with are still serving God to this day and in ministry. Some of them have gone to other churches. Some are still with us. Some are serving in missions, and it's just been a very genuine, organic, authentic um, just a book of Acts type revival that broke out home to home that is still bearing fruit even to this day. Wow, that's amazing, and that's a, a supernatural lifestyle that we were created to live in. And you, you yeah. uh, uh, put together a four CD set for us called "Be Empowered." So, what's that going to do for our listeners when they listen to that? You know, Jackie, one of my visions for all the listeners that are going to be listening to this this CD teaching is to teach believers how to walk in the power that Jesus walked in. We know Jesus walked in the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus cast out demons. Jesus healed the sick. Jesus raised the dead. Jesus cleansed the lepers. He opened the eyes of the blind. So my vision for this teaching is to show believers how to practically walk in the supernatural, how to be more hungry for God, how to cast out demons, how to heal the sick. What are the practical ways to cast a demon out? Most people have never heard of how to do this. Or what are the practical ways to lay hands on a sick person? What are the practical ways to walk in the power that Jesus walked in and that Jesus said, now I'm going to leave, but guess what? I'm leaving the Holy Spirit with my followers. He's going to teach you. He's going to empower you to do the works I've done. And Jesus said, even greater works. So in this teaching, you're going to learn how to do those greater works and how the average person, and I want to talk right now to the school teacher, to the police officer, to the business person, to the stay-at-home mom, practical ways for the stay-at-home person or the business person to walk in the supernatural works of Jesus, to be empowered. And I, I can say this, I can guarantee this, by the end of this teaching, you will be confident in walking in the supernatural. You'll have all the tools you need, all the steps you need to walk in spiritual warfare, to walk in healing the sick, to walk in preaching the gospel, and to really be empowered to do everything God has called you to do. Wow, that's so good. And there's one thing, one thing that was key um, to all the miracles you were seeing in your home, and that was expectation. You actually expected people to be healed when you prayed for them, and that was even just right after you were saved. And so talk about how the power of expectation is so important because there's so many people, they've been praying for things for years, and they haven't been seeing results. They have not been walking in the supernatural like you are, and, and uh, we are called to live that supernatural lifestyle. So just uh, talk a little bit about power of expectation. Yeah, absolutely. So I think expectation is definitely the breeding ground of miracles. You know, you look at the upper room, they waited for 10 days, and they waited with expectation. They were believing God to do something. You know, the Bible says if you pray and you're double-minded or you don't fully believe, you could expect to receive nothing from God. And I think because in America especially, we have such a watered-down gospel, such a powerless gospel, a gospel that says Jesus doesn't heal. Jesus doesn't deliver. I mean, you list, many of the listeners right now, they go to church not expecting God to do deliverance, right. not expecting God to meet them, not expecting God to heal them. And so we're trying to create, and we have to have, as believers, an atmosphere. We have to cultivate in our homes, in our living rooms, in our families, an atmosphere of expectation where every day we say, Lord, I'm believing today for something supernatural to happen. Now, we know that the Bible says that we, can't, we live by our daily bread. 
We live by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. So I believe daily God has an experience for every person. I believe daily God has a word for every person. So, you know, I wake up in the morning with an expectation that God has something for me today. And that expectation helps me build the faith to see God do what God wants to do. And, you know, Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4.18, So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what, on it, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So Paul is describing we don't live our lives. As believers, our eyes are not to be set on what we see with our natural eyes. But we need to focus on, Paul says, the unseen realm. This is the eternal realm. Now, some people say the supernatural realm or the spiritual realm is just as real as the physical realm, and I would say that's false. I would say, according to this verse, the supernatural realm is more real. It's far more real than the physical realm. And Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 14, the reason it's more real is because the unseen realm, the spiritual realm, is eternal, and the seen realm is temporary. So when we start living our lives as supernatural believers empowered by the Holy Spirit, we start having that supernatural expectation that I know in the natural, my circumstance can't change. But in the supernatural, God can change it in a moment. And there may be those listening that have been praying for a child, for instance, and your kid might be like I was, an atheist, and you think, oh, it's going to take time. And no, I want you to believe that God can do it in one second. And that's where that expectation comes. When you start reading your Bible, you say, wait a minute. Jesus did the works. Jesus healed the sick. Jesus cast out demons. I want what happened in Scripture to happen in my life. You can have, and I want to tell every listener, you can have the book of Acts every day. You can walk in the supernatural power. It's not just for the pastor, not just for Isaiah Saldivar. It's not just for the preacher, but it's every believer that will open up their Bible and believe that God's Word is true, and they can walk in the supernatural power of God. And that's where we find our expectation is in the Word of God. I get my expectation from the Word of God. I read the Word of God. I say, Lord, if you did it then, you can do it now. And that's one thing that really marked me first getting saved is I looked at my uncle, who's a pastor, and I said, I said, Nino, who, what, what we call him, I said, can I do everything that is in this book? Can I do everything this book says? And he said, absolutely. Now, religion will tell you you can't do everything. You can only do it sometimes, and sometimes God does, and sometimes God doesn't, and deliverance isn't real, it's not for today, and speaking in tongues. And no, the Bible says you've been given all things pertaining to life and godliness. So as believers, I think we've set the bar so low, Jackie, in the church. We need to set that bar high and say, no, God, you can do this. I'm believing for you for miracles, signs, and wonders in my everyday life. The supernatural is for the natural, normal believer. God's super invades our natural. And so I believe for everyone listening, they can live that supernatural life out, not just, you know, the preacher. And I don't want anyone listening to think this is just for the man of God. One of my things God has showed me is, Isaiah, I want you to train normal people to walk in the supernatural life. So that's one thing I really want to emphasize to, to the listeners is that you can do this. Do not think. This is just for a pastor, a preacher, or someone in full-time ministry, but every person's been enlisted to do the works of Jesus. Yes, amen. That's so good. And what are some practical things we can do um, daily on a regular basis in the secret place to, um, in order to cultivate uh, encounters in that time with the Lord? I know um, reading the Word is one thing you touched on, and that's really, really powerful. What are the other things that you do daily? Yeah, so one thing that I always challenge people with, many people come to me and say, Isaiah, I'm not encountering God. I'm not experiencing His presence. I don't know where to find Him. I can't hear His voice. And they're struggling as if God's, you know, hiding out and doesn't want us to find Him. But Jesus makes it very clear to go in secret 
and your Father will reward you. So Jesus gives us the geographical location to God on the earth. There's one place Jesus guarantees that the Father, that God the Father lives on the earth, and that is in the secret place. And I think so many believers are missing that God wants to meet with them, but he does it in the secret place. So many of us, if you ask the average believer, do you get along with God? Do you have a time where you go into your room? And Jesus said, when you go in the secret place, shut the door. Now, I know Jesus also was talking physically, but I believe he was also emphasizing spiritually. And I'll say this, many times when we get alone with God or we try to pray throughout the day, we get distracted. We have thoughts of this, or I have to pick up my kids. I have to do this. And Jesus said, when you pray, shut that door, that door of distraction in your mind. Put the phone away. Put the Netflix away. Put the Instagram away. Put the TikTok and the Facebook. All these distractions that are fighting to keep you out of the secret place. Because people need to know the devil does not want you to get in the secret place. He doesn't want you to encounter God in your daily life. But there's one place that we have access to God every day and in the, in the, in in every normal person has, and that is the secret place. So I tell people all the time, what is your secret place life like? And most believers I talk to, Jackie, we, I don't pray. I don't have a prayer life. I don't have that one-on-one. And I'm not just talking about praying before you eat or praying before bed. I'm talking about creating a history with God, creating a secret life where God where every day you get in with God and you say, God, your word says, I'll encounter you here. And so when I show up, you're automatically there. God's address, God the Father's address on the earth is the secret place. I always tell people, you know, if you want to find God, go to Secret Place Street, Secret Place Drive, because that's where the Father lives. According to Jesus, that's where the Father lives on the earth. So I would challenge these belie- a lot of these believers listening, if you want the power of God, if you want to start out walking a supernatural life, it starts with getting in the secret place. And here's why. Because you, the reality is this, you will become like you hang out with. And if you hang out with God, if you get along with God, if you spend time with God, that's when you become like him. That's when you start doing his works. That's when you start getting his nature. You get his mind. You get his spirit. And you start walking in the power of God. And so Jesus tells us where to find God. And I really believe, you know, there's a lot of different ways we can go. And in the teaching I'm, I'm doing, that the CD course, there will be some more detailed. I know for the sake of time today, there'll be more detailed in the CD teaching, but I, I just would really encourage if there's one thing I can say to live that supernatural life, like what could they do right now? It's having a secret life with God. That's so vital. You can't miss it. Jesus had it. We see Jesus over and over again. He would disappear, end up on the mountain, end up, you know, in the world, end up praying in all these different places. He would get caught away and be away praying to the Father. We see Jesus having all night prayer meetings. Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father do. I only say what I hear the Father say. Now, Jesus knew this because Jesus was spending time with God the Father. He was spending time with the Father in the secret place. And that's where he was getting his instructions. And that's why when the disciples came to him after he was with the woman at the well, they said, you must be hungry. He said, no, I have food you know nothing about. My food is doing the will of the Father. So this is so essential, and I believe, you know, traveling for 10 years, we get over 300 messages every day on our social media platforms. So many people always ask me, I can't hear God, I can't experience God. And this secret place revelation of getting alone with God every day, finding time to get with God, it will change everything. And I'm, I, I can guarantee that because Jesus tells us that's where you find God, and God's the one that can change everything in your life. Wow, that's so good and so powerful. Thank you for that teaching. And um, we're starting Absolutely. to run out of time, but 
Uh, can you just uh, pray over the listeners? Really, anything that the Lord's showing on you? I know one thing I wouldn't mind is praying for those who have children who are lost in darkness. Absolutely. There are so many. And anything else the Lord is showing you? Absolutely. You know, I feel that this is the year. One of the things, along with many other things that I felt God revealed to me, was be this would be a year where prodigals begin to come back, where long-lost families, the Bible says, are going to come back to their senses. And so I'm believing that faith is arising during this podcast. I'm believing many of you listeners, I know right now you're listening saying, Isaiah, this is my kid right now. He's an atheist. He's lost. He's hurting. He's broken. I've done everything I could. And just like my parents did, my parents did everything they could to reach me. But it was the sovereign hand, the encounter with God, the power of God. And so we're going to stand in the gap for many of you listening. We're going to pray right now for all of you listening for the prodigals to come home. And I want to say this, Jackie. I remember when I got radically saved, my mom said something so Well, to me, it was funny, but so interesting. She said, Isaiah, when I prayed, I prayed that God would just save you and you'd be in church on Sunday. She said, I never thought God can do everything he's doing through you and with you in your life. Mm -hmm. And so God, we know, goes above and beyond and exceeds our expectations. So my mom thought, oh, he'll just go to church on Sunday. And that was what she was praying for. But God said, no, I'm not just going to save him so he can go to church on Sunday, but I'm going to empower him and use him to touch the nations with my gospel. So I want to say to all those parents listening, all those people that are believing for a family member, don't just believe that they're going to get saved and just go to a church. Believe that, yeah, they're going to go to a church, but they're going to be empowered. They're going to be used for God's kingdom because God, the word says, does exceedingly above all we can ask or think. So we're going to pray that. We're just going to pray, and then we'll just be led of the Spirit. Father, we just pray right now. For every person listening, Lord, that those that we've been praying for, those that we've been believing for, we pray by the power of the Holy Spirit that you would just arrest our unsafe friends and family, that you would encounter them. Lord, I pray the same encounter that I had January 12th of 2011, where you marked me, you changed me forever. I pray for that over every family member, every unsafe family member of the listeners that are listening right now. I just pray that the Holy Spirit would begin to encounter your family. I plead the blood of Jesus, the blood of our Messiah. I plead his blood over the doorpost of every life, over the doorpost of every unsafe family. We thank you, Lord, that there is power in your blood, that there is redemption, that your word says in the book of Revelation that we've overcome the enemy by the blood of the Lamb. And so there is breakthrough power in the blood of Jesus. So we just ask, Lord, right now for breakthrough over every listener. We break discouragement. We break weariness. We break tiredness, every hindrance, every plan of the enemy is broken in Jesus' name. And we just ask you, Lord, to release your power, to release salvation. And I even pray, Lord, just a prayer of healing over every person listening. We just pray that your healing power would begin to touch. Right now, Lord, that you'd begin to heal people, those that have tumors, those that have diabetes, those that are dealing with high blood pressure, even those that are dealing with COVID, even those that are dealing with disease and blood disease and heart murmurs. We just pray right now, Lord, in the name of Jesus, We say be healed right now. Father, we thank you that you're not bound to time or space and that you can heal every person listening by the power of your Holy Spirit. So, Lord, we pray healing. We pray deliverance. Even those that need deliverance, we break every demonic assignment. We break every demonic contract. Satan, we say get your hands off the people of God. And I even pray divine protection over your children right now. Some of you that have young children, and I know I shared my story. The enemy tried to take me out. I pray over your children right now that the enemy will not kill them. He will not destroy them. But we pray that the angels of the Lord would be over them. We pray the hand of God to be over them. We pray the blood of Jesus over them. And we just ask right now, Lord, over every person listening, for your divine purpose, your divine will, and for your power, we thank you. Jesus, we thank you. And we pray in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. 
Amen. You've been listening to Messianic Vision with our guest, Isaiah Saldivar. And now here's Sid to tell you how you can get the special resource. Isaiah Saldivar wants to mentor you on how to walk in the supernatural on a daily basis. In his brand new and exclusive four CD teaching series, Be Empowered, you will learn practical ways to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, cast out demons, and heal the sick. And the key operative word is Isaiah speaks in such a practical, easily understood fashion uh, that you have no excuse anymore. Whether you're a seasoned minister, a banker, a teacher, a mom, no matter your occupation, this powerful resource is for you. Isaiah says you can walk 24-7 in the supernatural and do the same works that Jesus did and even greater. Call now for Isaiah's brand new and exclusive four CD teaching series, Be Empowered, for an investment of only 29 U.S. dollars. To order, call 1-800-447-2697. Once again, that's 1-800-447-2697. Or go to our website at sidroth.org, S-I-D-R-O-T-H dot O-R-G. Be sure to ask for offer number 3687. Once again, that's offer number 3687.